And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Steve Colburn, chemist and materials scientist with over 20 years of industrial experience. He is also a UFO abduction researcher, experiencer, and was a partner of the late Dr. Roger Lear, analyzing several of his alleged alien implants that he removed from his patients. Steve, thank you for joining me today and welcome. Great to be here. Steve, can we first start with your own personal UFO experiences? Yeah, um, the first one I remembered consciously was um, uh, when I was five years old. Um, uh, back around 1965, um, seeing a, a small um, yellow glowing UFO hovering over my parents' house. And um, I watched it for, it was right before sunrise, I watched it for a couple of minutes and then blacked out. And then I woke up on my bed with uh, blood all down the front of me and a memory of uh, somebody putting some sort of an instrument up my nose. I remember um, reading in Whitley Strieber's book about uh, them putting brain implants in and that, that manner. So that perhaps that's what they did at that point. Did you tell your parents about that? Yeah, I believe I did. And um, one interesting thing that happened at that point was that um, I started getting interested just overnight in anything to do with space. Hmm, and um, had to read everything possible about space. As you move in forward in time, did you have any other ones that you can remember? Yeah, back in... Um, 1989, I had a missing time experience, big time, where um, my first wife and I were driving uh, west on Highway 40 near Ludlow, California, um, not too far from the 29 Palms Marine Base. And um, uh, I uh, looked at the clock, and it was 10 o'clock, and looked at it again, what seemed like 30 seconds later, when it was 1 a.m. And um, I stopped in Ludlow and and uh, looked at the clocks in the, the stores to make sure that um, that uh, we indeed had three hours of missing time, and uh, that was the case. And um, I remember later some uh, some alien stuff consciously, and then got regressed over the incident uh, later on, and um, uh, found out that we'd been uh, been abducted. That's amazing that you shared that experience with your wife. What does she think about it? I scared her, um, and um, uh, she. Um, Brought to my attention uh, uh, some weird activity, possibly alien activity, on several other occasions. Do you think that you've had activity your entire life, and most likely you just don't remember most of it? Yeah, I have reason to believe that it started um, uh, before day one. And their MO appears to be to um, uh, get people from uh, bloodlines they're interested in and um, abduct people that are women that are pregnant with uh, children they're interested in and uh, genetically modify them prior to birth hmm. early on in the pregnancy. Are you RH negative? I'm RH positive. All right. But not all experiencers are RH negative. Is there anything else that you would think would be special about your bloodline? Well, I'm related to three kings of England and Charlemagne on my mom's side. And I'm related to several um, uh, generals on my dad's side, and that seems to be something that the aliens are interested in, um, royalty and military people. Hmm, interesting. How did you get acquainted with Dr. Lear? In 2008, um, the aliens put an, uh, an implant in my left second toe. I was in the house alone and um, uh, after the birth of, uh, of my daughter, and um, my wife was over at her parents' house, um, and they were helping her with... Uh, 
baby. And uh, I was in the house alone taking care of some stuff um, and fell asleep and um, uh, woke up and then uh, the side of my head was sore and um, my toe had this weird stinging pain and I just knew that I had two more implants. And um, I, I shined an ultraviolet light on the toe and there were two green dots corresponding to two puncture wounds on the inner side of the toe that uh, healed within hours. And um, so I went, I went over to Dr. Lear, who only worked a few blocks from me um, in Camarillo, California, and um, uh, told him about it. And I don't think he believed me at first, but he gave me a prescription to get it x-rayed and um, told uh, them to give a copy of the film to the patient. And um, they gave it to me and I went outside and held it up to the light and I knew I was going to see something, but when I did, it, that changed my life forever. Like I tell everybody, there's a um, heck of a difference between uh, strongly suspecting that something like this is true and knowing for sure. What did it look like in the x-ray? It looked like a bent piece of wire on the x-ray. It was um, smaller uh, on the x-ray than, than, than it was actually. Um, I guess we're just seeing the metallic core of it, but um, they do show up on x-rays, or at least they do most of the time, but they're often hard to see. What did Dr. Lear think once you showed him the film? Oh, he believed me totally once once he saw the film, um, and he, he got very interested in my case and uh, wanted to come over and inspect the house and with his equipment, and we found several anomalies. Um, we found uh, uh, wood, leaves, and a tree trunk. Uh, and uh, some stainless steel uh, forks and spoons in the kitchen magnetized. Alien equipment apparently magnetizes things that don't, that don't normally magnetize. And um, the magnetic fields uh, decay away slowly, but um, they, they persist for quite a while. Interesting. I realize that. Yeah, Daryl Sims actually said, I've never seen this myself, but Daryl Sims actually said that he, he saw the, the bottom of an aluminum boat magnetized to the point where um, a gas can stuck to it so hard they couldn't uh, uh, lift it. Did Dr. Lear remove this implant? Yeah, he wanted to remove it, and it was removed about seven months later. Um, and um, the, that report that I sent you uh, is about the analysis of that object. All right, I referred uh... to myself in the report as John Smith, <clears throat> John Smith because I didn't want to go public at that time because of my uh, wife's attitude towards uh, all this. The first uh, image is um, uh, a blow-up of the um, the X-ray, mm -hmm. and um, that's a little bit blurrier than the actual film was, but you can see the object uh, right near the bone there. Uh, it's a, a slight shadow right there um, uh, near the, uh, the, the end of uh, the toe. The second picture is um, uh, a similar object. That's not the actual object, but it's a similar object um, that was removed from another patient. Um, the uh, the actual object uh, that was subject to this report uh, broke into several pieces on removal. It was brutal. It looks like there's little filaments or wires sticking out of something that the body probably naturally encapsulated. Most of them have a structure where there's a metallic core with um, carbon nanotube electronics embedded in it. Then on the outside of the metallic core is um, uh, a layer that's like uh, bone or mother of pearl. It's got about the same composition, mm -hmm. and it presumably has some enzymes in it that um, that uh, cause the nerve cells to grow into the device and uh, cause a um, very tough proteinaceous outer layer to form. Um, Dr. Lear called it the, uh, the black membrane, and it's difficult to cut, even with surgical instruments, strong stuff. 
Would you say those little filaments hanging off are carbon nanotubes? They could be. I, I mean, there are there are definitely bundles of carbon nanotubes coming out of these devices. Um, I don't know if those particular ones are carbon nanotubes or if they are um, uh, cotton from the, the storage of the material, but um, uh, on um, other objects, I definitely um, saw uh, uh, carbon nanotube bundles coming out, like like wires, like the main connections to the device between the device and the uh, the gray outer membrane. Mm -hmm. And um, I proved through um, through uh, EDX uh, mapping that they were made of carbon. Hmm, that's amazing. And, uh, Ramon indicated that they were probably carbon nanotubes as well. All right, let's see your picture. There's a piece of it here. That, that's the piece that was analyzed. It broke into like 12 pieces when it was removed. Um, instead of um, uh, slicing the toe open and pulling it out in one piece, they tried to extract it from the side, and uh, it was brittle and, and broke into several pieces on removal. And that's one of the pieces there. Did your implant move during the procedure, or did it stay still? No, it stayed still. This wasn't a moving one. Um, there are moving ones, but we've never been able to analyze one of those. They're too slippery for us, I guess. A long time ago, I ran into Whitley Strieber, and I asked him if I could actually feel the one in his ear. I don't think you know this, but I'm also a chiropractor. So I said, you know, I'm a chiropractor, and do you mind if I just palpate the one in your ear? And he actually let me do it, and I could feel like a rock in his ear. And he said that he, it couldn't be removed because it would move. Yeah, they, they tried to remove it once before. Um, uh, a Dr. Lerma that he knew from Texas tried to remove it and um, just got a piece of it. And he said the piece had cilia on it, like mechanical cilia that presumably allowed the object to move under the skin. And um, uh, I never saw the, um, the data on that, but that's what he told me. Mm -hmm. And um, Whitley told me that it... Uh, hurt quite a bit when it when it would move which you, kind of makes sense do you know who terry lovelace is i've heard the name is she an experiencer yeah and he has an implant in him and and we looked at it in a previous podcast and it looks like a computer chip with wires dangling off of it yeah um, i have reason to believe that these um these devices uh probably have some computer capability they, they certainly have sophisticated um nanoelectronics and, and carbon nanotube electronics um they give off radio signals so um uh you'd have to have some sort of uh computer capability for that i would think uh it may be a supercomputer for all we know i mean it, it's possible now that they can put a microchip in something the size of a grain of rice or smaller it could easily be you know bounded up in something inside of all that tissue yeah, and the, the carbon nanotubes are a lot smaller and more robust than the uh, silicon-based uh, integrated circuit devices we're using now. And um, this um, is very sophisticated by our standards, but it's old technology to the aliens, apparently. The next picture is um, a um, piece of the Campo del Cielo nickel iron meteorite and showing uh, how similar uh, the appearance is to the uh, oxidized uh, sample. Um, mm -hmm. And it turned out that the, the metallic core of the object had a composition very similar to uh, a class of nickel iron meteorites called hexahedrites. Um, it, uh, the major components were nickel and iron with um, a trace element pattern, um, very suggestive of it being a nickel iron meteorite. So okay. that right there indicates it probably came from off planet. And um, we had some other isotopic results that indicated uh, that it might be from 
closer to the center of the galaxy. I don't know anything about the Campo de, del Cielo meteorite. Can you tell me about that? It came from South America, Argentina, I believe, and it was a very large uh, fall. And um, there's a lot of pieces of this uh, this object on the market, so that's why I chose it. All nickel iron meteorites, so once they oxidize like this, are uh, pretty similar looking now. What are we seeing below that? Below that is a um, uh, a shot of the um, the surface of the metallic core of the object at 100 times magnification by a light microscope, and it's sh showing a shiny surface and uh, white inclusions in the material that um, seem to be um, uh, coated uh, carbon nanotube bundles. If you touch those, are they hard like a rock or crystal? Yeah, they're rock, they're hard. Yeah, definitely. And then the next thing kind of looks like the same sample. Is that true? Yeah, it's just a different part of the same sample and uh, slightly higher magnification, 200 times. Uh, this is the same sample at 400 times magnification. And um thought it was interesting. And um, uh, the analysis of the um, the shiny surface indicated that it had about the same composition as bone. Uh, There's a lot of um, phosphorus, uh, calcium, silicon, oxygen, and carbon in it. If traditional medical science looks at these samples, what do they usually say? They'll just dodge the question and say it's a piece of debris or something like that. Um, they they don't want it. They're, they're they're like, don't confuse me with the facts because they're most of them are worried about um, the effect in their career if they say it's anything unusual. Even if there's not any evidence of how it got in their body, they'll just still say it's an artifact. Yeah. Easy. Oh, yeah, the, the modern science um, and people in general have a tremendous capacity to just um, sweep uh, anomalous findings under the rug rather than investigate them. I guess they basically just have a default. It can't be anything but you know, right. something that's explainable. can't be UFOs. Right. I, I go where the, wherever the evidence leads me, even if it seems bizarre by conventional standards. I wouldn't even entertain this stuff if I didn't have proof, but, um, but uh, most uh, scientists are are not that way. Most scientists are just like, uh, it can't be, even if the evidence indicates it might be alien or it might be something unusual, they just can't or won't go there because um, they're afraid of the effect on their career and um, they just are conditioned not to believe in that kind of stuff. The chemical makeup of these samples, I would assume there's something within the chemistry that's impossible to be something that would be naturally occurring in the body, right? The metal was a piece of a meteorite, so that's uh, highly unlikely to be naturally occurring in the body. And um, carbon, nano carbon nanotubes do not occur in nature as far as we know, and uh, they contain carbon nanotubes. And uh, uh, that black, uh, hard-to-cut membrane around it um, that's not something that we've seen naturally um, in or out of the body. And um, um, it just seems to be a, a sophisticated nanotechnological device, um, something beyond our technology. Are we currently using carbon nanotubes in anything in the industry? I'm not sure about that. Last, uh, last I uh, checked, they were um, uh, trying to um, do many applications with them, including electronics and um, uh, strengthening of uh, other materials like metals. Um, I've, I'm aware of projects uh, to coat um, carbon nanotubes with uh, with with metal nanoparticles and then sinter them into um, uh, other metals to strengthen them. Uh, the challenges there are, are proper dispersal and proper adhesion, and um, 
uh, I, those problems have, have uh, probably at least partially been overcome by now, but um, we're still hampered by the fact that carbon nanotubes are extremely expensive, but uh, the price is coming down. And I think eventually um, they will be used for a lot of things. They're like the world's strongest known material and they have unique um, electrical properties and um, uh, they're uh, just really um, uh, going to be a very um, uh, useful material once the bugs are overcome. If you could speculate on what the function of these implants are, what would you tell us? One thing Dr. Kuntz, one of our uh, former colleagues, said about my implant was that um, my toe implant was that um, it might have been a room bug. He thought it was uh, designed to pick up external sounds. And um, it tr was transmitting radio waves at one point uh, on several frequencies. Uh, I think they're in the report here. And um, uh, I got the impression just on my own that uh, maybe they told me this, but I had the impression that it was also to pick up um, physiological information like body temperature, body positioning, steps taken per day, um, and blood chemistry, stuff like that. All right, you have any other photos that you can show us? Uh, yeah, quite a few. Um, got some electron microscope photos that are interesting. These are some of the white inclusions that were uh, seen on light microscopy earlier. And um, on figure 25 and 26, uh, there's views of oddly shaped uh, material inclusions at um, 1,500 and 7,000 times magnification. That horn-shaped object or spike-shaped object, I think, is really, very interesting. Yeah. Looks almost like some kind of micro and micro or nano antenna. The one on the uh, the object on the uh, left looks like some sort of a wire to me. 27, 28 show cracks and um, tubes bridging the gap in these cracks. I, th I thought that was interesting. And um, for comparison, uh, figures 29 and 30 show, um, and the ones below that show, um, white inclusions and also some commercial uh, carbon nanotubes made by the ARC process. And uh, you can see that the, that the commercial carbon nanotubes are very similar in uh, appearance to these um, inclusions in the uh, the object. There's higher magnification views of uh, that, that spike-shaped object and uh, some sort of a pit there that must serve some function. And these um, crystals on the lower left turned out to be um, anomalously shaped uh, rhomboidal um, sodium chloride crystals are, are mostly composed of sodium chloride according to the EDX analysis. Do you think that you still have any implants within your body? Um, yeah, I have two um, uh, in my head, about one above each ear for sure. And I reason to believe I have one in my neck and um, uh, probably a brain implant as well. Do you have any x-ray evidence of that? Yeah, on the on the ones above my ear uh, or ears, I do, um, and uh, I also have evidence that um, they're implants because they were giving off radio waves uh, during a Japanese TV program I did one time. Hmm. They certainly got their money's worth. Why haven't you had them removed? I don't want to. Um, I uh, don't want to anger the aliens, and um, um, I don't really want to quit the program. I, I've been in this so long; I don't even know what my life would be like if I, if I quit now. So maybe it, maybe it's conditioning or Stockholm syndrome. I don't know. I, I don't want to have them removed though. I, I had the um, 
toe implant removed partly to partly out of curiosity to analyze it and partly because Dr. Lair wanted to and partly because it was positioned in such a way that it might cause a medical problem in the future. It's too close to the surface. And it would cause pain every time I put my put any weight on that toe. Do you think that your wife has implants? Implants, uh Yes, I believe she does have one one of the above the ear implants. Uh, I uh, examined her with um, my equipment, and uh, she has a stud finder hit and a um, Gauss meter hit above one ear, as I recall. Hmm. So most likely she has uh, at least one implant. What was one of the most shocking implants that you have seen while working with Dr. Lear? Uh, shocking implants I have seen. Um, oh, um uh, the guy that uh, was in the program, uh, next patient 16, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Ron Noel, um, had an implant taken out of his wrist that was like seed shaped and it was, it was totally black and it was similar in composition to mine, but had more iron in it. And, 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 uh, it had the highest concentration of carbon nanotubes that we'd seen and they were well dispersed in the metal. And that metal was incredibly tough. I mean, uh, diamond tools would not cut it. I, I tried to cut it in half to, you know, view the inside and analyze the inside and couldn't cut it. And um, I called Dr. Lear and said, Roger, I can't cut this thing. And so um, he arranged for a uh, an industrial high energy laser to cut it and uh, or first arranged for diamond tools and diamond tools wouldn't cut it. Then he, he arranged for a high energy laser to cut it. And that finally worked. But um, he said it actually scared the heck out of the, um, the shop uh, manager that tried to cut it with diamond tools because that's unheard of. I mean, any, any any metal can be cut with diamond tools, any normal metal anyway. It's amazing. But these are the these are the metal matrix composites that civilian science are working on with carbon nanotubes now as super strong uh, metal composites that have uh, uh, very good carbon nanotubes, single wall carbon nanotubes, finely dispersed in uh, in the metal to strengthen them. What are your overall thoughts about implants and and alien abductions uh well i think that the uh, the aliens are um uh using us to um uh help them with their agenda and and install equipment and maintain things and uh, or perhaps help them with the abductions and there's not as many aliens as they need to do what they want to do down here so they've recruited people to, to help them hmm. and um um they train and implant us and, and use them, use us as part of their um, workforce. I call us class two experiencers um, as opposed to class one that just get taken a few times, medical samples taken for the most part. I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to talk to you about the different classifications. Can you go over that with us, please? Um, yeah, in my book, um, I'm calling, I'm, I'm, um, uh, uh, mentioning three classifications, class zero, people that are abducted and never returned, um, class one, people that are just abducted uh, infrequently and mainly just taken medical samples from, and class two are people that, um, like I say, are implanted, trained, and uh, uh, connected to the alien hive mind by that brain implant and uh, used as uh, as uh, uh, labor a labor force for um, advancing their agenda down here. Then there's straight out hybrids too that were that are raised on board ship. I don't know what what to call them. I'm just calling them I'm calling them hybrids in the book because that's what everybody else calls them. In your opinion, what is their agenda? 
their agenda seems to be, um, I mean, it's classified as far as they're concerned. They don't, they don't answer those kind of questions generally, but, um, I think the agenda is to, uh, mine the earth and the moon for, um, minerals that minerals and elements are scarce where they come from. Um, I think cobalt is one of them. And, um, uh, the moon is rich in aerospace metals like titanium and niobium and stuff like that. And they do need that too. And, um, they uh, are kind of mining the, the, the DNA uh, uh, resources of the planet, taking samples of DNA of all the creatures, and um, uh, they're creating hybrids. They're here to create hybrids of themselves and us, and they're here to genetically modify the human race to make us more intelligent, less violent. Um, and they're here to um, to watch us to make sure we don't screw up the planet too badly. <laughs> Where it seems like we're on the we're on the doorstep of that, right? Well, um, some people think that they're gonna you know kill us all or something, and I disagree with that. I think they're gonna they're, they are waiting until we do something to ourselves, though. Would you generally say they are benevolent or malevolent? I think neither one. I think it's the truth is somewhere in between those extremes. Um, I don't think they're they're space brothers out to help us. They're not primarily here for us. They're, they're here for the planet and for themselves mostly. Um, but they are here to um, help us to some degree and to um, uh, usher us into the next era and um, and be part of a galactic community. Do you think originally humans were created to what we are today to be used as a workforce? I think that there might be some truth to that. Um, some people say that some people in the UFO community say that um, some some other aliens called the Anunnaki created us to be gold miners a long time ago, and that that kind of rings true with me. But the Greys claim they've genetically modified us several times over the last ten thousand years, and I think that's probably true too. Do you think that the Greys are actual beings, or do you think those are like bio robots? They're actual beings, but they've been genetically engineered and. Um, exposed to radiation over the years and, they, and they've used technology for so long that it's altered them and um, there's different classes of grays there's workers and the the middle class what i call scientist engineer guys and uh then the, the mantids that are the, the leaders and um uh the higher up you go in the hierarchy the the, the taller they, they are and um the workers are, are almost like biological robots. I don't think they're really robots, but they don't have much individuality, and they just do what they're told. Um, but uh, the rest of them are pretty much individuals. Um, but they have—they all have less individuality than we do. They're—they're they're a hive mind species, and um, they don't think much of individual uh, rights or anything like that. They—they all—all that counts to them is the welfare of the group. As a scientist. How do you think that their ships are able to travel such long distances? Well, they're using an anti-gravity drive. I mean, I realized I realized from when I was a kid that um, that if the performance uh, characteristics of these craft were real, then they they had to be using some sort of anti-gravity drive because um, in order to do these uh, radical maneuvers where the accelerations would be hundreds or thousands of g's, right, right angle turns where you're going thousands of miles an hour and such. Um, you'd have to have some sort of a system that, where you wouldn't feel the G's inside the craft. Um, so that points to some kind of an anti-gravity drive, and an anti-gravity drive would be about the only thing that could produce those accelerations in the first place. Um, so um, 
they're able to uh, do the, the the big maneuvers and going really fast uh, with that. And as far as traveling long distances, um, I hear they can also use uh, the, the the drives in their craft to open up wormholes. And I think what they're doing is they open up a wormhole and uh, go through it and go a few thousand kilometers before it collapses and then open another one. And if you did that in rapid enough succession, you'd be traveling faster than light. Uh, going through a wormhole is almost instantaneous. You're going through hyperspace where the um, where the uh, speed of light is much faster, billions of times faster. I've had a guest tell me before that there is a wormhole near Jupiter, and Jupiter is a failed sun. So I guess perhaps that you could get the energy off that planet. Any gas giant could be thought of as a failed sun. Um, and uh, I have not heard of a, I have not heard of a, a portal near Jupiter, but I wouldn't be surprised. Have you heard of the one by our sun? Yeah, I think I have heard of that. I think they have some sort of a cosmic subway system all throughout the uh, galaxy. So they can either go faster than light with their own craft or go even faster by uh, going through the, the existing uh, cosmic subway system and just come out where they want to come out, kind of like on Guardians of the Galaxy. Do you think it's possible that there can be invisible energetic implants? I think it's possible. Um, that's not really my field, but it, um, some uh, psychic people have told me that that's true. That there's um, energetic implants, and the aliens are into that sort of uh, thing, uh, psychic powers and um, technology to manipulate the soul and stuff like that. So I, I would I wouldn't be surprised. They probably do exist, but I, I just I just have no no evidence that they do at this point. What percentage of the population do you think is in contact with ETs? Well, Dr. Lear thought, and I agreed with him, that uh, it's, it's probably around 3% of the U.S. population that have had contact at one time or another. Those are mostly class one experiencers. I think about uh, about 0.1% or about one in a thousand people are class two experiencers as well. So um, that's not that many people as far as percentage wise, but um, it still translates into quite a few um, and, and absolute numbers. Uh, so if there's, uh, say, 400 million people in this country, then, then we'd be talking about uh, uh, 400,000 class two experiencers in this country alone. I wonder what the numbers are for class zero. Well, I don't tell many people this, but um, they, they told me that they, they harvest about 3 million people a year, and I figured it out, and that's, that's pretty sustainable uh, with the population growth rate. What do you mean by harvest? They use them to, um, for medical parts and um, mainly to, to, mainly to um, uh, make the um, uh, growth chambers that they use to make uh, uh, more grays and hybrids. Same thing they use the cattle for. With all the cattle mutilations that are like, if you look at them, they're, they appear to be done with surgical instruments. Is that from the ETs in your opinion? Oh yeah, it's it's a no-brainer. It's got to be it's it's got to be either ETs or a high-tech uh, group of some kind. Um, they use surgical lasers to to make the cuts, and um, they use uh, uh, chemicals because uh, predators uh, predators and animals uh, in general won't go near the carcasses. And um, uh, there's no teeth marks or anything, and only certain organs are taken: the the rectum, the vagina, in case of a female cows. Uh, and uh, the tongue and I think the liver and a few other organs and the rest of it just uh, it left there. Mm. If it were predators or wrestlers, they would take the whole thing and eat the whole thing. 
do you think we will have full disclosure within our lifetime? Probably. Um, the uh, the admission by the government a few years ago that uh, the UFOs are real was huge because um, once you admit that UFOs are real, they, they admit that they're that they're unknown craft. They don't know whose they are, and they're beyond our technology. Once you admit that, it's a slippery slope towards disclosure. That's why they never admitted it before. Hmm. And um, another huge cover-up of um, what's going on on Mars. Um, they've already found life on Mars. They don't want to admit to it because that would that would make the, the whole UFO alien thing much more likely in the public mind. Do you think Elon Musk knows about that? Yes, I think he does. And that's why he desperately wants to get there? Yeah, I think he wants to blow the lid off this. I mean, you can't send a colony to Mars and, and keep the secret at that point. At least it would be very difficult. When did you become interested in studying Mars? Oh, since I was a kid. But um, I've, studied in, I've studied it in earnest ever since I became a UFO researcher after I got the, uh, the toe implant. And um, I found out basically, I wrote a Mars report paper too that I can send you. Um, I, my conclusions were basically that the ground-based astronomers were right about Mars. There's evidence of past civilization. There's plant life, probably animal life too, um, and um, it may even still be inhabited at a low population density. Wow! Is there even an atmosphere there with clouds? Yeah, there's clouds. It even snowed one time during the um, the Mars Polar Lander mission. Um, they don't talk about that much, but I've seen pictures of it snowing, um, and um, the uh, the data on the thickness of the atmosphere is really suspect. I mean, um, uh, they say it's about one one hundredth the density of the Earth's atmosphere, about six to nine um, uh, six to nine uh, torr in pressure. But um, the evidence indicates that it might be about ten times that, or a tenth of what the Earth's uh, uh, pressure is, and that's what the ground-based astronomers thought. And uh, they weren't able to duplicate the dust devils that they've seen on, on many parts of Mars at uh, the lower pressure. Um, but in the laboratory, you can duplicate it at a, a tenth of uh, Earth's pressure, but not at one one hundredth. And I think they, they could just move the decimal point on the data. Um, and it would make the planet far more useful if, uh, to people if, um, if it were uh, a tenth of the Earth's pressure rather than one one hundredth. You could probably go outside with just an oxygen mask at that point. Do you think humans were living on Mars prior to coming to Earth? I'm not sure, um, but um, I think that there was probably life of some kind on Mars before, before it was present on Earth, or about the same, or occurred about the same time, started about the same time. Um, I think that Mars right now is uh, probably inhabited by the um, descendants of the original Martians and by the Greys. They've seen Greys on Mars. Um, they've seen a lot of stuff on Mars that they just kind of sweep under the rug. Um, I saw I, I saw a picture from one of the rovers of um, a, um, a head in the sand. It was either a, either a space helmet or a statue head or, or a skull. It was hard to tell, but there was something definitely uh, uh, of interest um, that was um, either the remains of a humanoid or uh, made by humanoids. And um, that's in the report. And um, they they saw what looked like a gray in a spacesuit and uh, uh, flying objects and just a bunch of anomalous stuff, plant life. I mean, there's there's lichens on the rocks there. They they uh, they they altered the color of Mars too. That that redded out 
red sky view of Mars is fiction. I mean, it looks more like Arizona. It's either, either a light blue or a gray sky most of the time, except right after a dust storm. Um, and I think they turned the red way up to hide the, uh, the green on the rocks. Wasn't there a planet next to Mars that exploded and that's what created the asteroid belt? Yeah, Dr. Tom Van Flandern uh, thought that, um, well, that there was a separate planet that blew up that um, that formed the asteroid belt, he said, but um, Mars was also, uh, according to him, a, a moon, and he, he worked out the theory pretty pretty well. Um, I think he was right. Um, he says that Mars was once a moon of the original planet four in that orbit that exploded about 65 million years ago. And um, that's why uh, one hemisphere of Mars is heavily cratered and the other is not. Uh, the heavily cratered hemisphere was, was the one facing the planet when it exploded. What is the most shocking thing that you've learned about Mars? Just the conditions aren't, uh, aren't what NASA says. I mean, you know what NASA stands for, right? Never a straight answer. Uh, NASA is basically a dog and pony show that was invented to keep all the space scientists and opinions about space under one roof and under government control. The real space program is going on, is, is still going on under the Air Force. Um, they never got out of the manned space flight business, like they said. That's why they weren't too interested in replacing the shuttle, because they have better things flying already. But um, yeah, the most shocking thing about Mars is that there's a big cover-up, and that the the previous uh, information about Mars was correct, and they wanted to try to erase that from the public mind. I've had two guests claim that there is an alien base under downtown Los Angeles. Do you have an opinion about that? I don't know about under downtown Los Angeles. I think that there, there's evidence there's an alien base uh, under the ocean near Catalina and in, the, um, and in the Santa Monica Mountains. What about Mount Shasta? Yes, there's some evidence there's an alien base there as well. There's a lot of uh, sightings that happen there. A lot of sightings and um, uh, reports of uh, people disappearing and portals and strange uh, humanoids that come to town and overpay for things and stuff like that that don't seem to know what's going on human-wise. What do you think life was like on Mars millions of years ago? I think the atmosphere might have been somewhat thicker than it is now. Um, and um, it's getting thicker right now. Mars is um, warming up. I think all the planets are warming up. Um, if there is global warming going on, it's, uh, it's not due to man-made CO2 by any means. It's due to, um, it's due to uh, the sun. Uh, heating up. The sun's been acting strange for quite some time now. Hmm. I, I've seen enough to convince me that man-made CO2 has absolutely nothing to do with it, at least. And I, I don't see any any warming trend really. All I see is uh, looking at the data is record heat followed by record cold. I don't think the average has changed that much at all. Our solar system is moving itself around the galaxy. Do you think that has an effect on the sun? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I. My own theory indicates that um, that the density of the space-time continuum uh, would affect solar output. I think that um, the heat that's given off internally from planets and stars is um, mostly released zero-point energy rather than um, rather than uh, uh, through nuclear reactions. What is the name of your book? It's uh, it's called Earthbound, um, a um, uh, manual for for uh, class two experiencers. You can find it on Amazon. It's not done yet, but um, I'm, I'm working on it. Okay. Once you do, you let me know so we can get you back on to talk about it. All right. Sounds great. After watching this podcast, people may want to ask you questions. Should they do that through your website if you're open to it? 
Well, the website's kind of um, kind of uh, messed up right now. I got to start a new one, but um, I guess they could um, e email or call me. Okay. What's your email address? My email address is uh, Steve at NeutronStarNanotech.com. I don't know if you want to give out your phone number, but if you do, well, I give, I've given it out publicly several times. So uh, my phone number is uh, eight zero five six two five two five four nine. That's my cell phone number. Um, Again, that's 805-625-2549. And um, if uh, anybody wants to ask questions or have a, a scan for recent alien contact and alien implants, then uh, that's the number to call. What kind of scan are you performing? Uh, the same kind of scans that Dr. Lear was using. Um, I use a stud finder, a small metal detector to detect uh, implants into the skin. Most of them are conductive or have metal in them. And... Um, a Gauss meter, uh, an instrument that detects faint magnetic fields. Um, if you get a stud finder and a Gauss meter hit, then that's most likely an implant because the implants are um, magnetized uh, for the most part. And um, uh, I do a radio frequency scan to see if it's giving off radio signals and um, body temperature scan because uh, uh, most experiencers have lower than normal body temperature. And um, uh, I go over the person with the Geiger counter to detect any traces of radioactive material. And um, uh, there's a couple other things that can be done, like electric fields that um, uh, I'll do if um, there's reason to believe that there's uh, something to be gained by that. So if people want to get scanned, they come to your house? Yeah, yeah, they can come to my house. And um, one thing I forgot to mention before is that part of the scan is to uh, scan them with a the UV light to reveal... Um, the presence of any um, uh, alien fluorescent dyes that are left behind on the body. A very interesting phenomenon in these abductions is that uh, fluorescent dyes of several colors are often left behind on the body um, that light up um, very uh, strongly under, under shortwave UV light. And um, they're also indelible and they stay on the body a long time, up to several weeks. When someone comes to your house and they get scanned and they're positive for an implant, how do they usually react? They usually already knew or already were pretty sure, so they, they don't usually react that uh, that negatively. But um, um, people that um, people that um, uh, don't really know anything about her or in, in a lot of denial, um, and maybe we're just uh, put up to going just uh, as a joke or something like that. If, if we find something that freaks them out, is anyone carrying on Doctor Lear's work of taking implants out of people? I heard that um, there's a guy in Alaska that took a couple implants out of people. Uh, I forget the guy's name. Um, and also Daryl Sims, uh, I heard, um, contracted with some doctors in India to uh, take some implants out over there. But um, other than that, uh, that's about it. I'm not a doctor, so I can't take implants out myself. And uh, I frankly would rather um, spend a little bit more time studying them inside the body uh, before any more removals anyway. Do you think that the ETs are implanting any other animals on the planet besides us? Uh, yes, I reason to believe they are. Um, I know that uh, right before they put the implant in my toe, they sent uh, a couple of raccoons into my yard that were really big. I didn't know they got that big. They were like the size of a large dog. And um, uh, they told me that, that, that these animals were implanted and... Um, they use them to um, scope out areas before they send their people in. I mean, they they have brain implants. They're able to 
access their sensory information and see through their eyes, hear through their ears and stuff like that. You just said that they told you. Are you in some type of communication then with the ETs? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just remember them saying things to me, but I, I don't I don't know where or when or uh, who exactly told me, but I just know what I know, you know. There's, there's just kind of certainties about what uh, what they're up to or what they told me floating around in my brain. Is it like when you're doing things like taking a shower or cutting the grass that all of a sudden you'll have this memory of them telling you stuff? Yeah, pretty much. Kind of maybe like a download? Yes, a lot of them are downloads. They have the capability to to download information from your brain and upload information to your brain, um, the same as we do with computers. They're uh, very powerful telepaths. Well, Steve, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Well, the positive message is that um, is that uh, we're going to go through a lot of hell, but um, at the at the other end of it. Um, we're going to break through and uh, a better world will come about eventually. Steve, thank you for that message and thank you for being my guest. You're very welcome. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.